Awesome. Welcome to Author News Weekly, the weekly news show by authors for authors. We read the news so you don't have to. Join our panel of best-selling authors each week as we take a deep dive into the publishing world, both indie and traditional. Author News Weekly. Yeah, whatever. Welcome back to Author News Weekly. Thanks for joining us. I'm R.A. McGee, joined this week by Pippa Warner. Hello. Nick Thacker. What up? And we have a special guest uh, host with us today. He's the author of the Troy Bodine series, uh, as well as a super secret fantasy project that he's not talking about to anyone right now. <laughs> he talks to me about it like every day. So <laughs> yeah. if I'm not talking to you about it, you're missing out. <laughs> he is also uh, my favorite cover designer, USA Today bestseller, David Barons. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. I never got an intro like that. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, and I'm done. I'll see you guys next time. You got one intro like that, and then I read my contract better, and it said I didn't have to, so I stopped. <laughs> so, Dave, I like to ask our infrequent guest hosts the first time that they're on uh, one simple question to let people know exactly where your head is, okay? Mm-hmm. And that question is, what is your favorite movie? Ooh, my favorite movie. So this, you're entering territory where I have to define what is a movie and what is a uh, Disney Plus show. Because, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I'm going to skip your question altogether and tell you that I'm thoroughly enjoying Moon Knight. They have just, they have killed it with everything in that show. And I'm by no means a Moon Knight like character fan or anything like that. But that that could have that's easily cinema quality story effects everything, fantastic. Nice, heard of it. Sounds like oh, a little man. bit. Sounds like a little bit of recency bias to me, but we'll accept it. We'll <laughs> accept it, Dave. No yeah. worries, okay. my friend. No worries. Okay, <laughs> I am aware that we're gonna have to get funky with our beatboxing here, and I'm gonna mm-hmm. implore the marvelous Miss Werner. Oh God! To hit us with the drop. Hit us with the drop <laughs> for the news. Do 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 do. do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What, what, news, what news are you watching? That works that for me. That's like uh, isn't that our news thing that I, we do? I, think you it. I mean, it's perfect. She got the melody, like <laughs> harmonically accurate for the, the few you know moments. <laughs> Good times. All right, I like it, guys. I like it. Good stuff. All right, let's get to story. Story number one. It comes to us from Buffer. Buffer.com. Via Jim Heskett, Jim sent this to us a couple of weeks ago. I'm just getting around to to talking about it. It's from uh, Sophie Gill. And the question comes to her and it says, I've been spending a lot of time growing my audience on Instagram and Twitter, which is great. But I'm starting to get a lot of comments and customer questions. And I'm finding it hard to reply to every single one. Do I need to? How quickly? And what should I do about the negative ones? So I think this is probably relevant for us with Facebook ads, right? Because you're going to get people engaging and they may trash you. So what do you guys do when you get, when you're dealing with these comments? Let's start with one of the OGs and let Dave percolate an answer. Nick, what do you do in this situation? I, I feel I must clarify at this juncture. Uh, I have unread emails in my inbox older than some of you guys. <laughs> so while I do intend fully intend to answer and respond in kind to each one of them. 
it's going to be a while. I feel the same way about social media because I hate social media almost as much as, well, I won't say what else I hate, but you guys can imagine what else I hate. And I almost mm. hate social media that much. Mm. No, you don't have to respond to every freaking comment on social media because it doesn't matter and it's not real. Social media is the vaporware of real life. <laughs> if you want to build a platform on Instagram, I question your, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I won't go down that rabbit hole, but you know, I feel here's the deal. Write another book. Just shut up about social media already. Get on it. Do what you want to do. I have found that the only way to be successful on social media is to not pull your hair out. So do whatever you feel like you need to do that's fun, that's engaging for you, not what other people want you to do. Don't fall into that trap. There's always going to be somebody who does more, better, bigger, faster, whatever. Do what you feel you want to do. And if it's answer every comment, then answer every comment. If it's not answer every comment because it stresses you out, then guess what? Don't get stressed out. Don't answer every comment. It doesn't matter. It's social media. Rant over. Amen. Almost. Almost. I hate social media. <laughs> now it's over. Pippa, Pippa, what do you think about this? Yeah. The, you, <laughs> for one thing, on Facebook, if you're getting nasty comments on your posts, you can just hide those or delete them. Oh, I like, never hide them. I always respond snarkily to, to them so everyone else can see how <laughs> stupid the person is. Put a sense of fear into them. Nick's strategy. Yeah, I don't get many like negative comments on Twitter, but I'm usually not using Twitter kind of as an author. It's just random things that interest me. And I don't know. I tend to avoid <laughs> if it's negative. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Dave, what about you, man? What's your strategy in dealing with this situation? Yeah, I mean, I'm where Nick is. I do a little bit of social media but it's bare bones. Like it's, if it's once a week, that's good. And honestly, the stuff I put up is pretty tame and not directly related to anything I write. So I don't respond a whole lot. If it's something where somebody is genuinely responding, not just clicking, you know, the auto respond, congrats or whatever, you know, I try to say something back, you know, if somebody says, Hey, you know, I posted a picture of me and my dad playing golf, you know, and I'll, somebody says, Oh man, I miss your dad or whatever. Then I know it's somebody I know, somebody I have real interaction with, I'll say something back. And, you know, I'm with Nick. I, I leave the, if I do a Facebook ad and it's a, a really dumb response that's negative, I'll leave it. And I might say something that appears to be a nice reply, but uh, points out the uh, stupid negative, whatever they put in there. So <laughs> I like to leave it and go own it. You said it, you own it. Yeah, I mean, in this day and age, like, that's just more social proof, right? Like, we wouldn't go to Amazon and hide all of our one or two to three star reviews. I'd hide a couple yeah. of them, but I wouldn't hide all of them. <laughs> you know, you want people to be able to see that real people have read and reviewed this as stupid as they may be. And it's the same thing on mm -hmm. Facebook. Like, the vast majority of my comments are nice comments. Thanks, the great book, whatever. So one or two people who are just idiots, like, I'm going to leave them up for the whole world to see. Let them skylight themselves as the morons they are. And then when they die, their grandkids can get on Facebook. And, you know, their Facebook becomes like this <laughs> permanent thing. And they'll be like, oh, what are you doing commenting on Nick Thacker's books? Oh, geez. Yeah. yeah. He was great at barbecuing, but bad at reading books. Bad uh, at reading never books. should have introduced him to Facebook, should we? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good deal. I wanted to talk about that a little bit because it leads us into story number two. Okay. Now, this story has a decidedly more vicious bent, all right? And it comes to us from Slate, and it's author Lauren Howe's 
rescinded award nomination is a reminder that online literary drama leads nowhere good. The little subtitle is writers step away from Twitter and don't even think about tangling with Goodreads. So (laughs) now without reading this entire article, apparently there's this uh, lady named Lauren Howe. She was nominated for a book. She stuck up for one of her friends about something that looked relatively tame to me. I don't know. I didn't get into all the drama and you know, the Twitterverse descended upon her and then she was arguing with people on Goodreads which is not a great idea and it didn't end up well for her. So she, I guess, I guess is that canceled? She got canceled from that awards show. So my question for you guys, and we'll start with you, Dave, is how much effort would you spend with arguing with someone on a platform like Twitter or Goodreads? Now I know we were just talking about Facebook, but Goodreads is more for anyone that doesn't know Goodreads is a, is an author and book reader focused site and the people there take their opinions very strongly so uh what do you think dave what's this kind of stirring around in your head yeah first first goodreads is notorious i don't know what it is about the readers and the the people that are on there but they tend to be the ones that are negative i mean they're extremely negative and i mean i myself have no idea what they've said about my books on goodreads i'm somehow on there attached to my own account so when I read something on Amazon, it says, you've read whatever on my Goodreads account. That's literally it. Now, to get away from that, I, I never look at it. I never look at Goodreads. But in looking at this story, there were some hot points. You know, there were some things that were current that were, you know, relating to the trans and LGBTQ community. And those things are, are firebrands. I mean, you can't get near those. If you have a strong opinion about that, I just think Goodreads is probably the last place you need to go with it. And from whatever, you know, I completely disagree with canceling for any reason. I think there are some big voices on both sides of of that argument. But if they come at you with something personal, that's time to get the moderators involved or, you know, get the platform involved and say, look, this has gone beyond, hey, I don't like your book. You're an idiot. And I'm taking you, I'm recommending that we take you off this award. I mean, that's my two cents. It's not very, it's not very informative because I don't get on there, but that's one of the reasons I'm not on there much. I don't want to see any of that, that hate. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Plus the Goodreads reviewers are, they're so mean. There's, you know, like you could have a book that's got a 4.8 stars on Amazon and on Goodreads, it's two stars, you know, mm-hmm. like this guy's an idiot. So, which might be true in my case. Pippa, what do you think about, what do you think about the feeding frenzy that you can whip up playing around on Twitter or Goodreads or something. So what was interesting was when I saw the headshot, I was like, interesting. That looks familiar. And I went back and sure enough, she's done a lot of stuff before. Mm -hmm. So she had been the Twitter author main character at one point last year as well. Getting, I mean, and it was, it was about Goodreads reviewers giving four stars instead of five yeah. And just complaining about it, and it, which is one of my pet peeves. Is like, yeah, I I know, but like they are. That's just it's it's not your thing. Yeah. Like Dave, I just don't go on Goodreads because I I don't want to know about it. And given that her thing is she wants to be like this figure in the LGBTQ community. 
and a whole bunch of people were like, hey, your book premise sounds deeply concerning to this part of the community. And she was like, what if I were just an asshole about it? <laughs> that, <laughs> I really, I honestly don't worry about the canceling thing. I think it's not something to worry about. It's basically just because I've been watching people get canceled for years. Like we had the whole 1 million moms thing trying to cancel Ellen DeGeneres for being gay. And now it's just, it's coming from the other side now as well. And so there's social consequences for stuff. But in this case, I feel like she really leaned hard into it and stirred it up. Mm-hmm. You like- <laughs> All I would have taken was like a, Hey, I hear you. That wasn't how it was intended. If anyone wants a copy of the, like a review copy of the book to look at this, mm. let me know. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You throw the baloney at the wolves coming, man. They're going to snap you eventually. <laughs> Mr. Thacker, aloha, my friend. What's going on? Aloha. Yes. It's how they laugh in, in Hawaii. They don't, <laughs> don't chuckle. It's just aloha. I think Dave told me that joke. So... <laughs> Pretty sure you did, actually. Yeah, I said, but I, I fully agree. I think there's so there's the 11th commandment that my pastor used to talk about all the time called don't be an asshole. And, you know, don't be a jerk if you're actually preaching it in one of them conservative churches, but it's don't be an asshole. And I think this is her, her mistake is she was an asshole about it. I, I tongue in cheek joke about a lot of things on this show and all that, but this is my platform, this is our platform, and I'm part of this platform. And so, you know, I get to do that. What's happening is I'm building an audience of people who expect a certain thing from me. And I'm saying, you know, she did the same thing. And if I were to uh, all of a sudden be faced with the mainstream world at large, there'd be a lot of people that took offense to my offense or just for whatever reason, which leads us to the cancel culture thing. However, I don't have to care about that because I'm not actually doing anything or saying anything truly offensive on, on purpose. If I am at all, it's totally by accident. And the point is they, nobody, those people don't know who I am and what to expect from me. This is the same thing. She built this platform of readers who, who knew exactly what to expect from her. And then all of a sudden she was faced with other people who had no idea what to expect from her. And instead of it trying to explain, Hey, look, I have an audience and this is what I do. I'm Dave Chappelle and I'm going to make this joke. Instead of having that and saying that she said, I'm going to be an asshole about it. I'm going to be a jerk about it. That's the mistake, right? So it's if, Exactly like Pippa said, if somebody comes and says, hey, this is offensive, I'd be like, wow, not my intent at all to offend. I can try to explain myself, you know, but hey, here's what's going on. Whatever. The point is, I I think that's it's not a a recipe to prevent cancellation because I think that's a bullshit thing that's just going to happen for whatever reason anyway. And there's no dodging that. But it's what happens when you're when all of a sudden your platform, you know, quintuples in size or whatever. You know, this is you're just going to be faced with a lot of people who are bent out of shape. Because they got nothing better to do and they're pampered so much that they have nothing else to worry about in their lives than canceling other people. And that mm. sucks for her, but she shouldn't have been a jerk. <laughs> yeah, I don't like your book for whatever the hell reason it is. I've got people who write to me and they're like, I liked your book. And then there was a gay character. I'm like, okay. Like, you don't have to read the book. You yeah. probably couldn't read any of my other books. And it, it sounds like, <laughs> you know, when you're saying she's arguing with people about giving her four stars instead of five stars. If you do that tongue-in-cheek and you're joking, that's one thing. But if you're actually mm-hmm. serious about it, right. it's pretty lame, yeah. dude. Pretty lame. Yeah. You know? Like, whatever. Four yeah. stars, three stars. I don't care. You yeah, there's, the like, the general work 
annoyance of God, sometimes my job sucks. And Mm -hmm. oh God, weird reviewer thing. Like I've got a one star on Amazon because someone couldn't figure out how to download it to their Kindle. Okay, whatever. It's just funny to gripe about, but like actually going after people is really Mm -hmm. Very weird. Very weird. Sometimes you make your bed and sometimes you got to lie in it. So don't be an a-hole. Things work out better for you. All right. Let's go to the next story. This is from Crime Reads. Now, I'm not exactly sure how to go about dissecting this article, but I find it pretty interesting because, you know, I write crime fiction and thrillers and I'm a big science fiction nerd. And so this is uh, from Crime Reads written by... Adam Oyabanji, and it is science fiction for crime lovers, a beginner's tour, or a look at five great sci-fi novels that also happen to be pitch black noirs. I This is really interesting to me. So I guess what I'll do is I'll ask you guys if you've ever considered combining, especially the thriller authors on the panel, if you've ever considered, or actually no, because Pippa does the sci-fi thing. Have you guys ever considered merging everything together? And in the absence of an answer to that question, I'll ask, I'll ask a follow-up. So, uh, Dave, what about you, man? Do you ever, have you ever considered getting your side? I know you're doing a fantasy thing right now. Have you ever considered interjecting some sci-fi into your thrillers? I, I never have, you know, the, the, the fantasy world is so far off and it has its own tropes and its own expectations that people when they read them they they don't really want to know you know they don't want a dead body in the beginning and you know they don't want to you know have a, a detective go through having said that it's not that it couldn't be done brandon sanderson famously said that mistborn is a heist and so it's you know it's essentially you know a we're going to go get the MacGuffin, whatever the you know the art piece we're going to go find that here are the steps along the way here's our crew you know, here's what this person's good at, this person got it, but it's a fantasy. So easily I could see those crossing over. And in fact, when I read this, the first thing that came to my mind was Neuromancer, which is a, it really is a noir piece also. And it has some great um, sort of callbacks to like those 1920s detective type stories. And it's interesting because when I read it, I don't think, oh, here's a thriller wrapped up in a science fiction setting or or vice versa. I just try to get, you know, the story. Is the story good? And I like the article's cool. It's a, it's a great way to say to people, hey, we know you like this. You know, look at this and see if it's something you might want to try, which is, you know, that's what we all want as authors. If I want to write a fantasy book, they they should know that some of my characters are going to be a little bit satirical and a little bit snarky and a little bit funny in the same way that my thriller characters are. Yeah, right on, right on. It makes me think a little bit of Blade Runner. Like Blade Runner... Mm-hmm. You know, it's sci-fi and it's got that strong kind of noir feel. At least the movie does. Mr. Thacker, what you what you got going on with this? <clears throat> I do. I think this is tricky. You know, as a, running a publishing company now that publishes thrillers, I often have to define what we say a thriller is. And, you know, because we're a business, we want to publish more books. We, we want to define that loosely. We want to say, you know, not that, oh, it's anything, but you can absolutely write a science fiction thriller because a thriller isn't just a genre. It's also a tone, a pacing, a style. I think the same is true about science fiction. Yeah, there's a genre called science fiction, which for all intents and purposes has some predefined boundaries around it, large boundaries, um, but boundaries nonetheless. But then it's also you know a style, a tone. And so if I write a gun in my thriller novel that doesn't exist right now, but is based on science and technology, I could argue that is a science fiction element. 
right? Mm-hmm. If that gun, however, levitates people and just isn't really explained, it's just a, a gun that levitates people magically, then that word magic means it's fantasy. You know, I wouldn't go calling my thrillers fantasy novels in that sense, but I think that's where the, the crossover can happen. It's like you have this, is it in the science fiction boundary where meaning is a reader going to come to it and go, I want it to be in space or at least heavily, you know, based on technology and science that doesn't exist today, but absolutely could exist and probably will in the future. Or is it, you know, modern day with modern tech that we don't have to waste time explaining because we already know it, then it's just more of a thriller. But, but you could still write a thriller science fiction style and a science fiction thriller. So it gets really tricky. So to all that to say, I would define mine however I feel like I can make the most money out of it. And right now that's their thrillers because that's the genre that most closely resembles where my readers go to find books like mine. I don't know if that answers your question well enough, but I can do the same. So I've also said I write thrillers, but then one series is a crime thriller because it it fits these crime tropes on this, you know, this article. So I think that's just one of those things where we have to remember we're getting a lot of, this is an aside, but going back to the, the publishing thing, we're getting a few entries, submissions that are romance thrillers. And, and they're saying, oh, this is a, you know, a romantic thriller. And that's one of those weird ones where it's like, if there is any romance element that's strong enough to put any label, even a subgenre label, romance on it, it's a romance first. And we won't take it. Because that's such a strong, well-defined boundary genre right? That I can't sell it as a thriller first. It's going to be a romance for all those readers. Anyway, so that's a kind of an aside, but it's just, it's really tricky. I mean, there's nobody officially defining any of this stuff. And so you got to go to where all the money is. And that's, you know, right now, Amazon. So whatever they say it is, that's what it is. (laughs) Sounds good. Sounds good. Now, Pippa, from a science fiction writer's point of view, do you, are you interested in the thriller aspect of stories? Do you interject that? You know, does Victory have some thriller aspects going on in her books or how's that work? Yeah, I so when I was younger, I went through this phase where I was just reading all of the like Dirk Pitt novels, the Clive Cussler thrillers and stuff like that. And those had a very strong like often there was this sort of, oh, how did the Mayans create Atlantis thing? And it was like it was great. You only ever needed one for every plane trip because you would completely forget whatever the scenario was and you could just reread it. But yeah, it's, there's actually a whole set. There's a lot in science fiction that hinges on mystery. I remember talking to a mystery author who said, I I love writing mysteries because every book's a mystery. Mm. Like it's a really interesting perspective. I think basically the thing you want to do is just each book of mine requires a slightly different set of skills and tropes and often I find those by looking in other genres and reading other genres and it's a great chance to bring something that feels very new to your readers from another genre where it might feel old or tired okay okay and so the second part of this question is if you guys look at this list are you familiar with any of these stories um I will admit only to knowing about Altered Carbon, and that's just because I watched it on Netflix. But it was pretty cool. You know, it was a definitely an interesting premise. You know, plenty of sci-fi. You know, people are taking their consciousness out and putting it in different bodies, and one of the guys wakes up, and he's got to solve a, a murder situation. So that was pretty interesting. You guys got any of these I'm, books you've read that you can recommend? I'm realizing how millennial I am. I'm like 
I couldn't find the books in this article because I'm jumping around looking for bolded headlines or H2s or H3s. <laughs> and I'm like, there ain't I, none of those in there. Wait, so I'm like, where each, the hell are these books he's talking about? Each paragraph talks about like a book. Alex. Like, yeah, scan for the italics. There okay, you go. There you go. Italics. He mentions Asimov. Yeah, I haven't read Murderbot yet, but I've heard such good things about it. Murderbot, the Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells. Huh. Oh, I've heard of that one. Yeah. Oh, it's because it's called All Systems Red. That's why I hadn't heard of that one. Okay. I've heard of the Murderbot Diaries. Yep. I would say Gideon the Ninth probably also qualifies definitely as a mystery. And then there's like a whole set of what are basically locked room mysteries in spaceships. Hmm. So because it's the ultimate locked room thing, they show up and they're like, well, no one could have gotten on or off. Huh. That's interesting, though. I, I never really thought about that. That's like uh, it's like a new take on like uh, the murder on the Orient Express or something, right? Like they're obviously mm-hmm. on this train. No one else could be, you know. Okay, that's pretty yep. interesting. You, you'll have to give me some of those titles. You piqued my interest, Pippa. I'm interested in that now. Okay, so I'm looking at the time and I'm thinking I want to skip story four uh, just because it'll take a while to chew into that. So let's go to story five, guys. I stole this from Reddit. Someone was asking, and it seemed like a pretty good thought exercise. And it was, if you could have any book made into a movie by the director of your choice, which book and which director would you choose? So that's a lot. There's a lot of uh, ground to play with there. Let's see. Who's got a good... Dave, you look like you got an ideal already. You don't look (laughs) as panicked as Nick does right now. So I'll I'll start start with I was going to say the Troy Bodine series, but I mean. By Christopher Nolan. Whoever directed the old uh, Magnum P.I. show needs to come on, (laughs) do a show for, uh, do a show Uh, with Troy. Get Tom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agonized. uh, I agonized over this and I scrolled through, oddly, my Goodreads list because then I was all on Goodreads. But I scrolled through to see what I'd read and see what I liked and see back back through the ages. And Nick will know this, but James Rollins, the first book I read by James Rollins was Map of Bones. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I knew you would. That's why I was good. Pick me, R.A. But uh, he, so Map of Bones is very, it's an introduction to a series that contains, you know, some elements of Raiders of Lost Ark and Indiana Jones, but it also has a little bit of military and a little bit of politics and stuff like that with a, a group called Sigma Force. And it just, it could be the greatest like uh, ensemble cast movie ever. And, and then you're like, what director? And I was like, Oh, you know, do you go, you know, do you go Spielberg? Do you go Michael Bay? Do you go any of these big names? And so I just, I was like, you know what? The guy that did the mummy who I've never heard that name before. It's like the guy that did the mummy with, with what's his name? Brandon. Brandon Fraser. Brandon, Brandon Fraser. Yep. Yeah. He, Steven Summers. So I, I don't know the guy. I don't know anything, but that look, that feel probably would be great to do a Map of Bones movie. That's a good one. Nice. Pippa, what do you think about this? What, what You got well, a choice? I, I didn't. And then Dave mentioned <laughs> Michael Bay. And now I just want something like Grapes of Wrath directed by Luke Besson or like the mm. fifth dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Michael Bay. Or <laughs> Directing great when, when he shoots him in the back of the head, it's just like, boom, like an asteroid blows the whole field up. That one makes the whole lens flare. It's like I love it. I love it. What about you, Nick? What you got? 
Okay, so joking aside, I actually that wasn't the first thing I thought of. That was the second one I thought of. Dave was uh, Sigma Force series by James yeah. Bond. But the first one, uh, which I, this is never happened in my entire adult life. I am about to go back when I have time and reread this series. Now that's happened before, but it's never happened this soon after I finished it in the first place. But the Red Rising series by Pierce Brown was a sleeper for me. I'd seen it so many times and never really picked up on it. And I had a buddy I work with who was like, hey, you should check this one out. It's really good. And I read it and I just consumed it. Like what five books I think were waiting on the sixth one. But it is such a fun story told that and just it's just huge in scope. I mean, it's like Dune as far as you know how many stories you could tell within that. I think that would just be a fantastic TV show. If Amazon Prime does it, there's no way in hell I would ever watch it because uh, they would destroy it before it even aired. We all know that. If Netflix did it, I would love it. If Netflix did it in Korean with English subtitles, I would love it even more because <laughs> Netflix Korea is freaking killing it right now. Uh, if Hulu did it, I probably would be probably like woke agenda, liberal, weird stuff, which is another world, whatever. That's, your, that's the side you lean on. Great. All, all the more power to you. I have no problem with that, but they would shove it full of agendas. It would be uh, silly. H- if HBO did it, I think that would be the pinnacle of television. However, okay, unless right they hired D and D. Right on. <laughs> well, all right, guys, that looks pretty good. We're coming up to a good time. Does anybody got anything they want to add? Any alibis, mulligans? No. <laughs> Everybody looks pretty good. All right, Dave. Thanks for joining us, man. We really appreciate you stepping in and helping us. Jim, Jim has this thing going on that warrant that he got rid of a while back popped up again. And Mm, there may be, we may have to contribute to his bail money, (laughs) this issue in Tijuana, but we won't go into it. So, (laughs) all right. So for all of us at author news weekly, I'm Ari McGee saying this meeting is over. Goodbye. everybody.